What is up, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode 65 of Chatter from the Cheap Seats. I'm your host, Jack Feldman, alongside my co-host, Sammy Crimstein. I just suffered immense heartbreak in my next losing game one to the Atlanta Hawks. Sammy just experienced immense happiness as Ryan Tapera got out of a bases-loaded jam yeah. in Sunday Night Baseball Cardinals Cubs. Demi, how are you doing today? Well, as of right now, literally right like two minutes before we started recording, Tapera got out of this huge, no outs, bases loaded jam here on Sunday Night Baseball, Cubs Cardinals. So if you're wondering, watching on YouTube, why I am not my normal location, that is why I'm watching Sunday Night Baseball. Great pitcher's duel, no score. We're in the seventh inning. So uh, you guys will be in the future, obviously, but... um. I, I'm still I still don't know how this is gonna end, so I gotta watch. But before this, I was actually tuning into the last minute of the Knicks game, and that's where I want to start off with today, just real quick, um, with a few things because that game just ended a few minutes before we started recording. Trey Young is clutch. He does this all the time. I feel like every few weeks in the regular season, there's another Trey Young game winner. He's so young. So talented and cold-blooded. Um, so first, uh, Jack is the resident Knicks fan, obviously. What are your thoughts on that, how you lost that game? And then what are your thoughts in general just about the Knicks being back in the playoffs, Madison Square Garden filled with anxious Knicks fans? Because, you know, yes, they lost, but you're in the playoffs. And it's been a while since we could say that the Knicks today played a playoff game. Pain. <laughs> that it? No, for real. You know, it, it was a tough loss. You know, just game one. You know, it does suck to win or to lose a home game in game one. But, you know, we're going to bounce back. The positives are that Julius Randle could not have played worse if he tried. If he just played like 50% better, we would have won that game. Derrick Rose played great. Alec Burks played great. It, you know, it's, I'm still, this is literally... The game just ended like two minutes ago. So this is raw reactions, not very rational reactions. I, I can't really process thoughts. I'm pretty pissed off right now that we lost that game. That's a game that we need to win. You know, we prided ourselves on being a defensive-minded team all year, and we break down on that last possession and allow Trey Young just an easy, lane. easy lane to the basket. But, you know, we'll be back. We'll be back. Yeah, and it's tough because I wasn't watching the game. I was watching Sunday Night Baseball, but I kept checking the score, and it seemed like the Knicks were kind of in control of that game, especially later in the third and fourth quarter. It seemed like they had kind of taken control there at the end a little bit, and then it just hurts when you're up by, you know, a few scores, and then I because the, a few possessions before that with like 30 seconds left. I can't remember who it was for the Hawks, but there was a huge dagger three. And it was a few there defensive possessions that really cost the Knicks. And you got to be good defensively if you're the Knicks. That's what they pride themselves on, like Jack was already saying. That's how they win basketball games. They're not going to outshoot you all the time. They're not going to really shove it in the paint all the time, although they're pretty good at that. They're going to beat you by playing good defense. And they played pretty good defense all game, but right at the end, they lost uh, the integral part of their that team, and it hurt them. So I, I think 
Thibodeau's a great coach. He'll get these young guys back on track. Um, I'm rooting for the Knicks. I'm a huge Derrick Rose fan as a Chicago Bull fan. Always rooting for that guy. Also, also former Bull, uh, Taj Gibson. Love me some Taj Gibson. So uh, I'm rooting for the Knicks, but there's been a lot of basketball. And that's where we're going to start before we get to the baseball, some of the other stuff, because it's the NBA playoffs. Best time of the year for an NBA fan. And we're going to get straight down to it because we had some wild games. The wildest possibly being the Heat and the Bucks. That game went to overtime, game one. Uh, we had Jimmy Butler tying it to send it into overtime in the fourth quarter. And then in overtime, Chris Middleton, just an absolute incredible shot to win the basketball game and get the Bucks on top in the series. So, Jack, what are some of your thoughts with that game and how this series is going to transpire? Because these are two teams that are gritty. They're going to play good defense. It's going to be a fun series. Winning game one was huge for this series because whoever wins this game has an immediate advantage. They're going to dictate the rest of their series. We know these two teams have history. We know that the Heat can more than are more than capable of beating the Bucs. This isn't a game. This isn't a series that the Bucs were going to walk over. The Bucs did not want to see this team. No one wanted to see this Heat team in the playoffs. This team is coming off an NBA Finals appearance. Well, I believe they, I beat, guess. they beat the Bucs last year in that run. They beat the Bucs last year. And the fact that Chris Middleton made that shot and the Bucs were able to jump out to an early series lead is absolutely huge and you know it's it's getting down to it where he better win game two because you can't go you can't go two and oh or oh and two against the bucks yeah i mean I, I agree with you with the bucks did not want to play the heat nobody wanted to play the heat because this was a team that around the all-star break they were pretty down like in the conference they were at a point like 11th or 12th in the Eastern Conference, way below the 500 mark. And I kind of thought their playoff hopes were over, but they had a very good trade deadline. And although Oladipo has been kind of health-wise, as he always is, you know, in and out, you acquire Oladipo. And that's something, as a front office, you show your team that you're willing to compete. And they have competed, and they've gotten right back into the mix. No one wants to play the Heat. They're a good team. They're a team with a lot of good defenders. But when I'm looking at both of these teams, I see two things. A lot of good defenders and a lot of guys that are just ice cold. Uh, the ice cold obviously showcased in this game. Jimmy Butler, with seconds left in the fourth quarter, sends it to overtime. That guy is one of the clutchest players in basketball, dating back to his young career as a Chicago Bull. He's always draining game-winning, game-tying shots. And then obviously Chris Middleton who is an incredible clutch player, uh, as shown in that game, winning it for the Bucs. And I also see a lot of great defenders. And that was really evident in this game, a pretty well-defensively played game. Jimmy Butler's a great defender. Bam Adebayo, Goran Dragic, who has really been a force for the Heat. And then the Bucks, Giannis, great defender. Drew Holiday, one of the best defensive point guards. Brooke Lopez is one of the best defensive defensive centers in the league still after all these years. And Chris Middleton is solid uh, defensive player as well. So this is going to be a fun series. And I don't think it's going to be too, too easy for either of these teams. Because when you have teams that have guys with ice in their veins and teams with good uh, defensive players, 
it's not easy to win, no matter which side you're on. Absolutely. And it's always fun to see, you know, defense is non-existent in the NBA regular season for the majority of teams. It's always fun to see these all-star caliber players that play literally zero defense during the regular season. And then you see them in the playoffs and you're like, oh yeah, you know, they're actually pretty good. Like they're like they're guys like Kyrie Irving, you know, when he wants to, he can defend. He just doesn't. Yeah, you know? yeah. Guys like that. A lot of guys like that. A lot of these superstars, you know, on the surface, they look like maybe one way players, just straight up scorers. But all these guys, when it comes down to it, when they got to give it their all to play some good defense, I mean, this is the NBA. It's a high level of play. We're going to see really good defense. And before we move on to our next NBA game, I kind of mentioned him a little bit, but Goran Dragic, he was my underrated point guard when we did that segment a while ago. But he is always clutch for the Heat. He's always, you know, I was already talking about ice in his veins. He had 25 points. And although the Heat lost, he's going to really have to step it up because Jimmy Butler is obviously the scoring option number one. But this year, Adebayo has not really been the same type of scorer as he was the year previous. So if they're going to want to beat teams offensively, they're going to have to have some help from Goran Dragic. And he has really been stepping up. Uh, he was kind of a role player going into the season, but he's really getting starter minutes now in the playoffs. So my hat, no, I can't take it off because my headphones are on, but my hat goes off to Goran Dragic. Wanted to mention him and uh, how well he's been playing. If he keeps playing well, the Heat will have a chance in this series. But moving on, Mavericks and Clippers. Mavericks take game one, and the Clippers did not go out the way they wanted to go out last year. They have a chip on their shoulder, and they are determined to get to the Western Conference Final at least. Not a good start, though, in that regard. Luka Doncic, a 31-point triple-double. He always does that. It's insane. Mavericks almost shooting 50% from deep and a huge contributions from Tim Hardaway, who was second on the team in scoring on only 13 shots, 8 for 13 from the field. Another guy, kind of like Goran Dragic, who if he could really step it up for the Mavericks, that'll be huge because Luka is really kind of that one scoring guy. They're going to need some of these other role players, supposedly, to step up and score some buckets for the Mavericks, but a great game one win. Jack, how about the Clippers? I talked to them about the Mavericks. What's their mindset going into game two? What does it have to be? Because they cannot do what they did last year again. Uh, yeah. If the Clippers lose this series, if they lose in round one, it is unequivocally a disaster. It is a disaster. This team is meant to make a deep playoff run. They cannot lose in round one of the NBA playoffs. Although this isn't your typical, you know, your typical Mavericks team. It's not that typical, you know, lower seed that just sneaks into the playoffs. You know, this is a team that has a legitimate, I mean, superstar. Luka Doncic in the playoffs turns into a top five player in basketball. He is... He is a top five player in basketball. Incredible. In my opinion. I mean. Incredible in the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, this Mavericks team, they're not as deep as I think they obviously want to be. But when you have a guy like Luka and you can get guys like Tim Hardaway stepping up, that's why that's so important. You can have some of these other role players step up. That's how you beat teams like the Clippers that are so talented and very deep. 
not as deep as last year, but still very deep. Um, you know, I think the Mavericks, they if they win game two, this series could even be over. I mean, the Clippers do not want to get down in the hole. I think this next game two is a must win for the Clippers. They have to win it because eventually you're not going to have PG and Kawhi anymore. This is not a chance that comes around for a franchise every few years. This is possibly a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for the Clippers to win the NBA Finals, possibly. They cannot waste this, uh, but credit to the Mavericks for winning Game 1. Clippers have to win Game 2. Let's move on. Celtics versus Nets. The Nets' big three did not disappoint at all. I think they had, what, like 80-some points combined. Uh, I think two of them had 30-plus points. Absolutely incredible. Um, Jack, do the Celtics have any chance, especially without Jalen Brown? Because that void is pretty noticeable. No, and they never had a chance. And this is just proven based on the fact that in game one, the Celtics played pretty well for the majority of the game. You know, they were in it for a lot of the game. And then you look up at the final score and the Nets are winning by like 13 points with like 30 seconds left. You know, it was a close game for three and a half quarters. And then the Nets just pull away because they're too talented. You know, I guess the Celtics could have done a better job on the offensive glass, which is something that they've done such a good job of throughout the season. Yeah. But they're just, they're not the same team that they were last year. The Nets are one of the most talented, if not the most talented team in NBA history. They are going to breeze by the Celtics. Maybe the series goes five games, but I don't think it goes any more than that. I agree, and I think the I think the Celtics, even fully healthy, even if Brown is back, playing their best basketball is like maybe competes with the Nets' mediocre basketball. I mean, the Nets probably did not play their best game of the series, and they won pretty handedly to the Celtics in Game One. This is this team is kind of looks unbeatable, and I'm really hoping that they play the 76ers in the Eastern Conference Final because that would be something to watch, but. In terms of this series right now, it's going to be a tough road for the Celtics. Honestly, I think the Celtics have a tougher job beating the Nets than the 8 seed Wizards would have beating the 76ers. The Nets are the toughest team to beat. They are the team to beat because they have all those three guys healthy. They only played like 10 games healthy this season, that big three. And they're all ready to go for the playoffs and as we saw, firing on all cylinders. So Firing on all cylinders. Good luck to the Celtics, man. I, I, I have a question for speed. you. <laughs> yes. I have a question for you. So who do you think is a better chance to knock off the Nets, the Bucks or the 76ers? Hmm. Better chance than I... I'll just, I'll just give my no. answer first because I think, I think we might disagree on this, Sammy. See, I, I'm very conflicted. Uh, but I'll let you go first. Yeah, maybe I'll sway you. I, I have the Bucks because I think that, you know, I don't think the Bucks are going to put up. I don't think either series is going seven games. I think the Nets would take care of both teams in six. I think, I just think Giannis's size and length. I think that, you know, Drew Holiday, I think Chris Middleton, you know, he's a solid player, but I just think the Bucks are just, I mean, they're big. They they play better defense, and I guess that's that's why. But I, I think it's really a toss up. I don't think either yeah, team. Is. I think the only team that can has a realistic shot 
to beat the Nets is the Lakers. And I think the Lakers can beat the Nets. I think that series, that would be an absolute war. That would be an all-out war if that was the NBA Finals. I don't know. I I mean, I think the Bucks are the team that can best contain the Nets because they're one of the best defensive teams in the league. I mean, outside of the Knicks and, I mean, maybe a few others, they're up there. They are, are a great defensive team. As I was talking about earlier, they have a lot of players that just play great individual defense. And to contain the star-studded team like the Nets, that's what you're going to need. But in terms of offensively matching them, I think the 76ers are best suited to do, to do that. So which one of those options can best win you a series? I don't know. That's where it's a toss-up. But I think the Bucks can best contain them. But uh, the 76ers are definitely best suited to match them because they have some serious start power as well. Embiid and Simmons, one of the best duos in the league. Really like those two guys. Moving on now back to the Western Conference, back in the West. Specifically, we're going to go to the mountains in Denver, and the Nuggets lost game one. Uh, not a great start to the series, and Jokic had 34 points. He had 11 rebounds, something like that, but he only had one assist, which for your best playmaker on the team is a little concerning. Uh, and give credit, to where, uh, give credit where credit is due. The Trailblazers did a good job making sure Jokic did not get good lanes to be able to pass and create other uh, plays. So hats off to the Trailblazers. Lillard, 34 points, 13 assists. The team had 29 assists, which is pretty ridiculous. Good start for the Trailblazers. A very streaky team in the Trailblazers. If they get hot, they can win this series. But the Nuggets are a very solid team. I don't think a game one loss is too concerning, to be honest. I think... The fact that Jokic only had one assist is a little bit of a fluke. Would you agree with that? I, I think the Nuggets are just fine, as opposed to the Clippers. It was like it's kind of like you got to win game two. You got. Yeah, win. I'd agree with that. Although you know we mentioned it in the Clippers series with Luka Doncic. You know, Damian Lillard is a different dude when it comes to the playoffs. Mm -hmm. He is a different. That is true. Animal. So you really know, game time. Game time in the playoffs. You know. Game time can take over. He can take over games. He can take over a series. So that is definitely something that you have to watch out for if you are the Nuggets. Now, what I'm going to say, if you're the Nuggets, like if you're, it's a close series, you know, maybe like game seven, let's say, you have to kind of blow them out because if the game is close at the end, it's kind of over. With Damian Lillard on the floor, like I get Yeah, I, you can't I, say that. Like you I, can't I, say I, it's I, over. It's I, not I, over. It's very over. Damian Lillard is the clutchest player in basketball. I mean, there's no doubt about it. I mean, it's, and it's obviously, actually, it's like, it's not over, over, but you do not want to give Damian Lillard chances to win the game. You want to win the game before he can even do that. That's what the Nuggets have to do, and they have the ability to do that. They have the talent. They have the star power. Pretty good defensive team, so I'm looking for the Nuggets to make a strong comeback after a game one loss, but... Those are our basketball topics. We're not going to talk about Sunday's games, today's games. We talked about the Knicks a little bit, but we're going to kind of talk about all of that next week after maybe even the series is are over. We'll see. But it's now. And we might and we might post some stuff, you know, on our social medias just about the playoffs. So definitely want to follow those. Sammy, what are our social media 
tags, I guess, yes, is the right word. Handles. It's going to be chatter from the cheap seats TikTok. Is it chatter, chatter underscore cheap seats pod? And then obviously on YouTube, just search up chatter from the cheap seats, and we will be there, our beautiful, smiling faces. And Sammy, on your Sammy you're already on your phone. Just leave a five star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Yes, that would be I, I, Okay, I got to say, I'm using a ring light for lighting. There's a light on my forehead that looks like utterly ridiculous. I mean, that. There, there, the glare coming off of my forehead right now <laughs> is unbelievable. If you're watching, okay, I turned it down a little bit. So if you're watching on YouTube, that, that think... should be better. There we go. There we go. Oh, it's back. It's back. Oh, it's gone. Jack battling the glare of that. You know, some guys, some guys have to fight through injuries. Other guys have to fight through glares. We're all battling adversity, Sammy. But let's move on to some guys who have battled no adversity this season because they have just been unbelievable. Let's talk about the most unbelievable relievers in baseball. We each have picked three relief pitchers that have started off just incredible, incredible starts to their seasons. Uh, I'll start. I have number one, the best reliever in baseball. Aroldis Chapman. Uh, Chappie Chappie has let up a single run all season. He's blown one state. He's let up a single run all season. Which was today, right? Which was today. Yeah. (laughs) Too bad we didn't record yesterday. That would have been 19 innings pitched, 20, uh, or one run. I mean, he's been unbelievable. Number two on my list, I have Alex. Raise. He has been, I mean, 0.38 ERA, 100% save percentage, uh, 12 Ks per nine, a 123 opposing teams batting average on him, a 123 opposing teams batting average. That is just silly. And the third guy is Richard Rodriguez, K-Rod, as they call him. He has been Unbelievable. Also, a 0.47 ERA. Hasn't blown a single save all season. Sammy, those guys are pretty good. Well, yeah, and you were talking about Alex Reyes, and I'm watching here the Cubs-Cardinals game, and we're getting in the later innings here, and I don't know what his usage was like, uh, but um, I hope they don't bring him in because the Cardinals do have a pretty good bullpen. He's kind of been the highlight so far, and I'm a little scared of that, but... uh. I'm going to go on with my relievers, and I have some guys that have been absolutely amazing, just like Jack's guys. First, Jack started with Chapman, and I'm going to start with someone on the Red Sox who has been absolutely dealing, arguably the second-best reliever in baseball this year. Matt Barnes has been ridiculous. Impossible to hit a lockdown guy for the Red Sox, 22.1 innings. He's second in expected FIP next to, of course, Aroldis Chapman. Uh, 16.12K per nine. He does have a 2.42 ERA, which is pretty good, but uh, the FIP shows that... Reliever ERA reliever ERA is kind of a messed up stat. Yeah. It's if, if you have a low ERA, then it means something. If you have a high ERA, it probably doesn't mean anything. It probably means that you had one bad start. Right, yeah. It's, if it's like, really inflated. Yeah, but the 2.42 ERA is good, but it's, he's even been unlucky. From that 242 ERA uh, because of the uh, expected FIP stats. So Matt Barnes, 
has been a guy that the Red Sox could just count on day in and day out. Next, I'm going to go with James Karinchek. I believe I'm not great at pronunciation, but I think I did it right there. 20- no, that's right. That's right. Congratulations. I did it. Uh, it's pretty happy day for me, but uh, 20.2 innings, only one earned run so far this year. 100% of base runners left on base. That one home run, that one earned run was a home run. So he's, as, as, as a reliever, you want to come in with guys on base and leave them out there. That is what he's doing, although not too many base runners. Thanks, thanks Captain Obvious. <laughs> the bag that, that is the goal. The goal as a reliever is to pitch and try to let up as little runs as possible. That is the goal, Sammy. That is the goal. And Thanks uh, for clarifying that. But his batting average on balls and plays is probably most impressive stat for Karen Cech. It is less than 100. So his K rate is roughly 16.5 per nine innings. And his batting average when the ball is being put in play is less than 100. I mean, arguably, that could be one of the... Uh, He's probably the most unstoppable reliever. Pretty good. I hear his MLB The Show card is also pretty nasty, so I may have to check that out. But lastly, I have a guy that has struggled the past few years. He's been a Chicago Cub, signed to be a starter. That didn't work out so well. In the past few years, he's kind of bobbled between starting and coming from in relief. But Tyler Chatwood has been phenomenal this year. And kind of having a little bit of a resurrection, had a really good, I think, like 2015 or 16 year, 17 innings for Chatwood, only a 12.7K per nine, which is pretty good. But for a reliever with as high of a success rate as he's having, it's pretty low. And talk about his success rate, his ERA, he's allowed one earned run that is a 0.53 ERA, and he's just doing this weak contact. Chatwood is not one of those relievers who's going to come and throw 200 miles an hour every time. He'll sit roughly like 96, 97. He throws pretty hard. Okay, I mean, 96, 97 is still, you know. But, I mean, he's I mean, it's not, it's not 102, but, you know. Like Chapman. I mean, but he's up there. But a lot of it is just weak contact from Chatwood. He knows where to put the ball in the zone. He's commanding his off-speed, which has been an issue. Uh, I remember as a Chicago Cubs, so... I'm happy for Chatwood, not a Cub anymore. He is now a Toronto Blue Jay, but he's really having a good first year for Toronto. And those are my relievers uh, so far this year. Just uh, relievers, I feel like, get glossed over a lot in the media. Relievers are people too. Some great relievers that have been doing really good this year because you deserve to hear about some really good relievers. You also deserve to hear about what happened this week in baseball. The Rays have won 10 straight games. The Yankees' starting pitching is just lighting it up. We'll be talking a lot about that because Jack is exhilarated about that. Uh, there's the whole Yerman Mercedes, Tony LaRusa controversy. We are going to give our thoughts, which I believe Jack and I will be in agreement, but we'll see. Uh, and the Padres and Dodgers have both won uh, a lot of games consecutively. Padres have won nine straight Dodgers have won seven straight. The NL West battle is turning out to be as spectacular as promised. So let's start at the top with the AL East because we have some really good teams in this division. The Red Sox got off to the really hot start to begin the year, and they're still in first place, but tied with the Rays, who have won 10 straight. Yankees starting pitching is really heating up. Jack, 
give me some of your impressions on what's happening in the AL East, and I will allow you to talk a little bit about the Yankees because it's inevitable. You're going to do that. Yes. You know, they're hot, although I don't think it's sustainable because they're relying on a lot of young guys who just got called up, such as Taylor Walls, the shortstop. And a lot of the time, guys come up, get hot because the league don't does not have a book on him, and then they come back to earth. So I do see this Rays team coming back to earth sooner or later. Yeah, and with the Rays, I... I did have them in fourth place in this division in my predictions, and I love seeing what they're doing here. That Their offense is looking pretty solid these past few days, but I think the pitching is just not what it was. I mean, you look at the statistics, and they're like 10th to 20th in a lot of stats, which isn't bad. I mean, that's for a lot of ball clubs with good offensive teams, that's going to get you where you need. But with the Rays... I don't know if that offense is going to be sustainable. Like Jack said, eventually they're going to adjust to some of these new guys and they're just not going to be able to do this forever. The pitching is not what it was last year. And because of that, the Rays are not what they were last year. I think they're going to fall back off, but you know, if they can stay hot, I'll let them prove me wrong. We'll see what happens. Sammy, Sammy, you know, so far, your outrageous take of the Red Sox, you know, having a better record than the Rays, holding, uh, they're tied, but, you know, it's slipping. Are you nervous? All oh, Yankees are half a game out. You know, Red Sox are, have been losing some games recently. Red Sox. Are you nervous? I'm, I have a lot of faith in the Red Sox. And remember, I had them winning 86 games. I'm not, like, saying they're going to win 95. 86 games is a, a good chunk of Good chunk of wins. But, I mean, with this kind of start, you know, they could probably hover around 500 for the rest of the year and win 86 games. So I like my, I still love my take for the Red Sox. Probably my best take from so far from my predictions because uh, this is a good team. So many great hitters on the Red Sox. You have Devers, who's playing MVP caliber baseball. Uh, Martinez, who's cooled down a little bit but was playing MVP caliber baseball at the beginning of the year. And of course, Xander Bogarts, who's one of the hottest players in the league. You have like a, probably the best big three offensively out of any teams in baseball. It's hard to think of three guys on a team that are playing better offensively. Uh, am I wrong? Yeah. No, yeah, no, you're right. You're right. Frankie Cor Franchi Cordero, Frankie Cordero. You won like love, 800 feet today. I love him. Yeah. But right, let's Rocky move on Rocky. now. To, to, to my New York Yankees, Sammy. They did it again. They can't lose. The Yankees can't lose. The Yankees are so hot. Brett God, that is so hot. Corey Kluber with a no-hitter. Are you kidding me, Sammy? What a series by the Yankees. They sweep the White Sox. The starting rotation has been immaculate. I am flying on cloud nine right here. Well, yeah, that's a huge series win. Because the White Sox were a team that were going into that series pretty hot. They had won something like eight or nine of their last ten games. They were one of the hottest teams in the league. They come to the Bronx, and the Yankees say, no, no, no. We're going to shut you down with some incredible starting pitching, which is exactly what happened. The Yankees starting pitching is has really turned out well. The investment that they made this offseason in starting pitching by getting Kluber and Tyone is already looking like it's paying off. I mean, Kluber threw a no-hitter. Tyone is kind of getting hot. 
I really am liking what I'm seeing from this Yankees rotation. You got Domingo Herman, who obviously did not play last year. Uh, he hasn't really, he's kind of been up and down just because of the personality off the field stuff. He's been electric. Cole, there's no question about Cole. He's going to deal every outing. So uh, with an offense like the Yankees have, which maybe hasn't been quite as good as he want, but you have some guys really heating up, like Aaron Judge is playing great baseball. Aaron Judge is just a great baseball player. Even though they maybe didn't get quite off to the start they wanted, they're getting they're taking a step in the right direction, and they're proving why they are one of the best teams in the AL, if not the best team in the AL. They're going to win this AL East division. I have no doubt in my mind about that. They're that good of a team. Um, they just have to wait for the weather to get a little warmer, which it is. Uh, and they're going to just start really beating the hell out of teams because that's kind of what they're doing. Oh, yeah. I mean, they got it. Their offense will get it going. That's a scary team. Sammy, Tony LaRussa. Who is actually on our show. He he has Back been a guest day. on our show before. He has made he has made an appearance. You know, <laughs> me personally, I have no issue whatsoever of what your mean Mercedes did. I think the biggest issue that I had was Tony Larusa taking taking it public. I think you know that's something that has to stay within the locker room's doors. I mean, I guess also an issue I have is Mercedes missing a take sign. But the biggest thing is Tony LaRusso taking it public. He should never have done that. Yeah, so if you are living under a boulder, which... Not even a rock, a boulder. If you're living under a boulder, which I don't know how you'd be listening to this podcast, because I don't know if you get connection there. But what happened, it's like a blowout game, right? White Sox are in Minneapolis. They're playing the Twins. Or St. Paul, I don't know which of the Twin Cities they play in. Who cares? Uh, Twins are playing the White Sox. White Sox are blowing them out. And they have William, uh, what, Astudio on the mound. My man, yes. La Tortuga. The turtle. The turtle. La Tortuga on the mound. And this man is pumping around 40. He is uh, not trying. The Twins have given up the baseball game. They don't care anymore. Mercedes is at the plate. It's his rookie year. He's on a rookie contract. He's trying to make some money in arbitration, obviously, for next year. So, obviously, he wants to get some some of those really good stats. He wants to have as many home runs as possible, as many hits, RBIs, all of the above. He wants to inflate his stats. So when you have someone throwing 47 miles an hour, it's a pretty good opportunity to do that. So 3-0 count, he gets a nice, juicy fastball. Fastball, 47 mile an hour. I don't know what you call that, EFIS. But he just jacks it into center field. Absolute missile. And Tony La Russa was not happy. And he said after the game that he did tell him to take. He was giving him the take sign, which, like Jack was saying, would be problematic uh, if you're getting a take sign from a coach and disobeying it. Now, maybe he just didn't see it. Maybe he misunderstood. Who knows? But whatever happened, like Jack kind of already said, that has to happen in the dugout, in the clubhouse. That has to happen behind closed doors. For Tony LaRusso to take it to the media shows the world that he is not behind his players. And I think I was talking, I think I was talking to you, Jack, about this. But if I'm a player in Major League Baseball, 
I want a manager who's going to be behind me no matter what. And at least in the public. Like if there's I'm with you. Wrong, I agree with you 100%. something I do wrong, have a private conversation with me. That's fine. Teach me. That's your job. You're the manager. But in public, you have to be behind me 100% of the time because we're a team. We're one family, right? And that's the issue I have. La Russa was slandering his own player. Now, how do you think the other players on the team feel? Like, they're probably like, oh, what if I do something wrong? Will he slander me to the whole world? For a guy that was hired knowing the White Sox, knowing that he had two DWIs, he's like a thousand years old. He's past his prime. And now he does this. I mean, the White Sox are having success, but like, I, I, I just, I, I do not like this. I wish Tony La Russa would be gone from baseball. It, there's no place for any of that in our game. I think ideally in this scenario with the Mercedes thing, he just goes to Mercedes and he says, hey, I gave you the take sign. Why didn't you take? Or, hey, we're blowing him out. Maybe don't swing there, which I don't have an issue with that. But that's not even what I'm talking about. For La Russa to slander his own player to the whole world, is it's just bad. It's bad. I don't know what else to say about it. Not great, Bob. Not great, Bob. And let's move on now, Sammy, to the game of the week. It's the game of the week. It's the da 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 game of the week, Sammy. What is the game of the week? Yes, my game of the week, and um, obviously I, was, I, I don't really watch too much else in the Cubs. I don't have time to watch all the teams, but mine is going to be a Cubs game because this was – it felt like a playoff game. It was broadcasted on Fox. Joe Buck was broadcasting, so of course it feels like a playoff game, which for better or for worse with Joe Buck, you know, say what you will about him. But um, this was a great game. One to two is the final score. Cubs get on top in the first inning, but uh, Miles Mikolas, he starts, he's pitching pretty well into the fourth inning. He gets, like, taken out. Then the Cardinals' bullpen does really good, uh, keeps the Cubs scoreless for the rest of the game. And although I'm a Cubs fan, it was quite a moment. 1-1 ball game in, like, the eighth inning, and Yadier Molina hits an absolute nuke. He comes out, he does a curtain call, to all the Cardinals fans at Bush Stadium. It, it, I hate the Cardinals with all my heart, but that was a good moment, and this rivalry is one of the best in baseball, maybe the best behind Yankees-Red Sox. Nothing's better than Yankees-Red Sox. I, I have to give it to you, Jack, but Nothing. Cardinals is always great. Uh, that's why I'm watching it right now, bottom of the ninth. This could actually be the game of the week that I'm watching now on Sunday Night Baseball. No runs have been scored in the bottom of the ninth. so No runs. No runs, but yeah, uh, Saturday's game, Cubs Cardinals. Cardinals win 2-1. That is my game of the week. My game of the week is game two, Yankees-White Sox. Pitchers duel for the first six innings, innings of the game. Jordan Montgomery pitched amazing. Dylan Cease pitched amazing. And then you get down to it, Ch- Yankees score some runs. Labor Torres with a clutch home run. Chappy. On the mound, no one out. Runners on first and second. Yankees turn a triple play. They turn a triple play to get out of the And then Gleyber Torres walks it off in the bottom of the ninth inning after back-to-back singles by Aaron Judge and DJ LeMayhew. Yeah, what a game. I, I, I didn't get to watch that one, but a triple play in the ninth inning. To I mean, was, was that to win the game? The, to win the game? Or no? 
No, no. Because it was a walk-off, but... Yes. To basically save the game, I mean, that was immaculate, incredible. But uh, I'm going to move on now with uh, my... I'm going to go with my pitcher of the week. And I have Walker Bueller, the arguable ace of the Dodgers, although really you could give that honor to, like, three guys probably. Kershaw, Bauer, you know, they could get that honor shoot. But Bueller had a great week. 14 innings, two starts, one earned run, 12 strikeouts, which isn't crazy. I mean, it's pretty good, but it isn't like, whoa. But he's getting weak contact. And for a guy that typically strikes out a lot of guys, it's great to see him rely more on ground outs, weak contact, pop outs, stuff like that to have success, which he was having seven hits in 14 innings. So really good job by Walker Bueller. Dodgers have a great rotation. They always will have a great rotation. And yeah, Walker Bueller, my pitcher of the week. As the Cubs go to extra innings here on Sunday Night Baseball, what a game. <laughs> Sammy, Corey Kluber, enough said. No hitter, one walk away from being a perfect game. I mean, he was he had everything working. His not a curveball. Don't call it a curveball. Don't call it a slider. Slurve. Not a slurve. It's a clue ball. It is a clue ball. It was working. I mean, the two seam was moving all over the place. He was fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, six no hitters this year. I think we're on pace for like 30 or something. That is ridiculous. Hitters need to wake up. Yes. I have walked up. I have walked back my take of they're not, they don't mean anything. I'm just kidding. I, I still don't think they mean much, but it was a great start by Kluber. All right. So now we're going to go to our position player of the week. I have Jesse Winker of the Cincinnati Reds. And last year we didn't do this segment. We, it, we were more hot and cold. But I had Winker for this last year because he's really having a great breakout kind of two seasons. I'll count 2020 as well here into 2021. I really like Jesse Winker. He has a smooth left-handed swing, one of the best left-handed swings in baseball. He can take it to, you know, he can take it oppo. He has a great pull side swing. He can take it up the middle. Incredible. And what I like about what he's doing this week in particular, five home runs, which is tied for the league lead this week, 6'10 Woba, very, very good. And all of that power getting on base, getting on base over 40% of the time with a slug over 1,000, but he only strikes out twice because I will say I was going to give this award to Miguel Sano, who also had five home runs this week, but he struck out like 10 at least times. He struck out 30% of the time, but for Winker, that was only 7.7% of the time. And I'm starting to have a lot more appreciation for guys that are good at just putting the ball in play. And when he can put the ball in play, but also put it, put the ball in play hard and hit for power by putting the ball in play without striking out. I have so much respect for that. So I love Jesse Winker, and yeah, he's my player of the week. That's a good pick. Jesse Winker has started off the season on fire. Sammy, I have Austin Riley. You know, if you look at some of the more advanced stats, he seems to be at the top of the leaderboard every single week. You look at his Woba, you look at his WRC+, plus. he is right there, and he just has... Another scorching hot week, Sammy. He has been absolutely electric. But let's move on now to the final segment of the show, the series to watch. Sammy, who do you have as your series to watch? 
I don't have any. I I thought you. I thought you were on that. That was a trick question, Sammy. I do have a series to watch. Oh, okay. <laughs> do you Sammy, my series to watch is the battle of the AL East. Rays, Blue Jays. The Rays are coming in hot. Blue Jays have underperformed so far this season. Hoping they can turn it around. You know, I think this is going to be a fantastic series. We get to see some Vladdy action, some Vladimir Guerrero Jr. What? MVP level stuff from Vladimir Guerrero Jr. He has been fantastic. We get to see some great pitching on the Ray side of things. It's going to be an absolute battle. So, Jack, we were talking a few minutes ago about Alex Reyes. He's in the game in the 10th inning. I'm scared for my life. He is in the game. You better because because if you don't score in extra innings, you don't feel confident. You have to score at least yeah. one. Yeah, no, I mean with Rays, I mean the high strikeout rate, the incredible stuff. I'm a little like on the edge of my seat here. A little and bit no, on the no edge. Two strikes, you know. I'll count. A little it. bit on the edge of Sammy's seat, and unfortunately, the edge of Sammy's seat will be where we leave you guys tonight as we will wrap up episode 65, episode 6, Cinco. That is not, it is, uh, I don't even remember how to say it. No, uno, dos, Oh, yeah, you're right. That's not right. That's not right. Sixth, uh, I don't remember. Cinquata something. Okay. Honest, I don't remember. Yeah, we're not very good at Spanish, but <laughs> anyway, great episode. See you guys next time. Sammy, take us out. Bye. Bye. Yeah.